You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. One. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you this week to our Matrixic discussion group call for tactical sovereignty uh this week i kind of dubbed this part two who's got kelby smith back with us and we're going to get into a topic that is kind of near and dear to my heart because it's to me really what's going on that uh, people see it but they don't see it for what it is they don't realize what's really happening and uh, the situation that they're involved with and the capacity that they've kind of been forced to operate under, although you do have a choice of what capacity you want to operate in. And that's what it's really all about. Um, getting ready this evening for this call, I, I had a couple things to do this afternoon. And to me, it's just amazing the roadblocks that are thrown in our way. Um, I had things happen to me this afternoon that have never happened before. Um, on the road down here in Southwest Florida, you know, there are a lot of crazy drivers. But I actually had a woman today. I'm sitting at a stoplight. It's a, a six lanes, okay? And instead of her getting into the turn lane to take a left, she's in the lane to my right, and she pulls directly in front of me, and I'm in the head of the line, and she's waving out the door, you know, she wants me to not go and let her take a left when the light turns. But of course, the light didn't turn green for a turn, so traffic is going every which way once the light turns. And people are blowing their horns, and it's like, wow, this was weird. And then I went into the store right after that, and it seemed like every aisle, and I know this seems to happen quite often to us, but tonight it happened. Every aisle, every turn, there was people blocking the aisle with their carts to where I couldn't get past. Or there was people stocking the shelves and they had their carts parked sideways in the aisle so I couldn't get through. And I'm like, holy smokes, I'm seeing all these things that are trying to slow me down and keep me from getting here to uh, start this call. And I looked at my watch and my watch said it was 15 minutes before six. I said, oh, great, I've got an hour. And I said, wait a second. I looked at my watch again the second hand wasn't moving. And I was like, holy smoke. So I grabbed my phone and looked at my phone, and it was quarter after six. So my phone, my watch had even stopped keeping time, and it had slowed me down by half an hour. If I continued doing everything I was going to do prior to the call, uh, I wouldn't have gotten here in time. It was just mind-blowing. But anyway, uh, Kelby, how are you doing this evening, brother? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, man. He's risen. I'm good. Yeah, I'm grateful. <laughs> Definitely grateful. Um, my, my understanding is, other than part two, we were going to kind of discuss um, the word Babylon and kind of how the the word of God maybe plays into all this uh, 
matrix element and what we're dealing with in the world. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's exactly the plan. Because, you know, the way I've looked at it and things I've studied, even studying genealogies of the movement of people from uh, the Persian area, that everything has kind of, over time, migrated around the world and circled into America. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I'm not trying to say that America... Yeah, I'm not trying to say it like America is like Islam or anything, but when you when you take a look at the world and and kind of how the structure of what we've gone through and 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 and, and as a, a historical uh, sense, America um, not only has the twelve tribes come and land and end up here. Um, but we were the first nation of people to separate and claim that God was sovereign four times in the Declaration and that we were self-governed. And so that, from a historical standpoint, never took place. And so God's people, for the first time in history, didn't want any more um, to be under a king, they wanted to be free. They wanted to be under God, and they and, and that common law and that um, natural law kicked in, where the Ten Commandments are what governed our heart, and where the the Republic, um, which it was under God, governed our our day to day lives. And that isn't just a concept. That's God's preferred and natural form of government. And so, like in the Old Testament, where it grieved him when it said it, it said that he grieved when they asked for a king, and so he gave him Saul. And we, we have to really think about what that, what that actually means, because he wants to be a, he, he wants to be our king, and by having that relationship a in the physical and b in the spiritual you're lining up with the word of god you're lining up with the natural law you're lining up with the protections um that are are granted not only by god but in the word of god which i'm going to share with you guys today which is it's going to be the blessing i think for all of us because a lot of people are seeking the word sovereignty they're they're wanting to say they are sovereign they're wanting to say um, they're a sovereign citizen, maybe not understanding fully what that means. Um, and they're labeling themselves with all these things. And, and the word says in Genesis 1.26 that we're to have sovereign authority. And that means to have dominion, which is what the word says. And But you look at the word dominion, it means sovereign authority. So we're, as being governed by um, ourselves, with God as our king, to have dominion, sovereign authority over all the world. Now, <clears throat> that that element right there, you can stop and talk about for days on end because people people don't realize the important aspect of that element, what it means to be self-governed. People don't realize the 
critical nature of uh, what it means to actually have that responsibility. They think freedom is just freedom and there's no responsibility with freedom. That's kind of what you're seeing today with the, with our kids. You know, um, unfortunately, our, our children today are not of the mentality and they're for sure not being trained up in, in accordance to what we had been granted in 1776. So, Brian, the, the only reason why I'm sitting right there for a minute is we have something here that is super, super, super special. And it's the only one that's actually internationally recognized. And it's the only one that gives us the protections of treaty law. And it's the only one that the, the operators of the District of Columbia can't access, they can't sue uh, in any way, shape, or form a State of the Union citizen. And that State of the Union citizen is synonymous with the word American. And that word American is, is in law synonymous with the child of God or somebody who claims that God ex at least exists. Who says, because if I'm going to tell you right now, guys, if you're an American you, and you say the Declaration is a part of you know, what you're alleging yourself to, you need to go read it because you're saying there is a God. And you're saying he is your king. And, and or at least your sovereign. And so that, that is where we need to be grounded, right there. And once we have that and have our mind wrapped around that, um, the rest lays itself out and becomes a lot easier for us to get our heads wrapped around. So, Jewish families around the world give thanks to God for liberating the Jewish people. I don't know where that's coming from. It's not coming from any open lines here. For Christians, we remember the suffering and death of God's only Son and His glorious resurrection on the third day. On Easter Sunday, we proclaim with joy Christ the Christ. All of these sacred celebrations remind All right, stop. So, once you have your foundation, can you hear me, Brian? Can anybody hear me? Yeah, I hear you okay. Okay. So once you have your foundation laid out um, and you understand how important that is and you understand that we're the only people ever in the history of the world that has access to this freedom, literally, under God, with the protections under God and under man's law, then you got to start from that foundation. So first off, if you're trying to be be this quote unquote um, state of the union citizen, I don't talk about the trust. I don't talk about I talk about the BC and stuff. I talk about and I understand all that stuff. I'm wanting to come out of that structural system because the word of God has commanded me to. And when I got my mind wrapped around the word Babylon, I really went, oh my goodness, um, I got to start taking this a little bit more serious because I'm going to go through real quick. And we'll have discussion or whatever you guys want to do. Uh, I want to prove to you guys on this call a, a global structure where um, the United States is the military enforcement arm, and and we are literally the the major power force for Babylon the Great. And so, if you read Revelations, um, depends on what Bible. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. Um, 
and you look at chapter 16, verse uh, 19, you'll you'll see the first reference uh, to Babylon the Great. So let's talk about chapter. Let's talk about what is Babylon. Let's get very clear about what is Babylon. Um, and so you go to chapter 17, verses 1, where it says, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute. So we have a word that Babylon has been labeled as a great prostitute who sits on many waters. So there's your first clue, who sits on many waters. And then uh, let's just scroll down to verses 4 at the end where it talks about her sexual immorality. Um, and verse 5 uh, and on her forehead was written the name mystery. So first off, you have the words mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and earth's abominations, written on the prostitute's forehead. Um, her impurities of sexual immorality. So let's just stop for a sec um, and let's start thinking about some of the technologies that the United States has come up with in the last, you know, whatever, 100 years. Um, due to whatever, I mean, I've heard of everything from uh, a satanic agenda, um, uh, UFOs that we captured, reverse engineered, and figured out things, and I've heard all kinds of stuff, Tesla, um, laser beams, and um, the bottom line is we have structures and systems right now that are, are killing the earth. We are, um, our military is literally dumping chemicals all over the world, um, barium, aluminum, strontium, we are... Um, the mother of the prostitutes and of the earth's abominations. Uh, there is more sexual immorality, um, pizza gates, child sex trafficking, pornography, uh, porn movie industry uh, that comes straight out of uh, this nation uh, than any other nation on the face of the earth. And then in verse 6, and I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now, I didn't understand this a few years ago when I was trying to figure out what Babylon, why would Babylon, if it was the United States or if the United States was a part of it, be drunk with the blood of the saints? And I did an interview on the RNN News Network about two and a half, three years ago with a lieutenant colonel who did three years in jail. Um, he was assigned to, um, if you remember when, uh, uh, at the time, the... Um, I should forget his name. He, he announced the day before 9-11, $2.3 trillion was missing. Well, this guy, this lieutenant colonel, was assigned to go and find that $2.3 trillion. He ended up finding the account numbers in Switzerland and associated those account numbers to, at the time, Al-Qaeda. So what he found was that through the CIA, um, through the United States, the, the monies collected by the birth bonds, by the taxes, by the, the people, was shipped off uh, through the CIA to these um, accounts in Switzerland, and he started reporting it. He ended up um, going to prison because of it. Uh, they found some frivolous charge, nailed him on it, three years in prison. Well, this is how God works. Um, in prison, he was next to the banker of the Swiss bank, um, who was also indicted and placed into that same prison in uh, Marion, Virginia, which was um, the uh, uh, basically the prison, uh, political prison for all inmates in the United States. Um, and he ended up for the next three years associating the names through that guy and through his visits that he would get from the banking institutions. Um, 
and he would associate the names to those accounts. And what he ended up finding was startling. He found um, that our country and very high-level individuals within our nation were um, personally responsible and uh, uh, put their names on and through the CAA ultimately um, we in our black ops accounts um, have funded both al-Qaeda and ISIS which would be responsible now for this verse 6 when I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs point is is the funds that um, we are generating based on our birth bond accounts being hypothecated that are going into uh, state um, accounts that um, at our state CAFR level, if you go to CAFR1, CAFR1.com, the state CAFRs, the state um, repositories have in excess of $100 trillion. And so um, you, you, we are not in debt at the state level, but that's why you have the Federal Trading with the Enemy Act where they are at war with the state and where every time you go, you're going into court, they're trying to put you in prison for the prison bonds because they're quite... Um, lucrative uh, when you accept the surety role and, and place yourself as the uh, uh, the quote unquote um, surety for that bond, and and you have to you know walk yourself into prison. But the bottom line is, when I saw this, and you start going through 17 and 18, which I'm going to finish doing with you right now, you're going to see what I'm going to see. You're going to see how it's laid out very clearly, because number one, it's a mystery. This isn't going to be easy to be found out. And so, um, and then there's going to be some labels who seated on many waters. Let's talk about that for a sec. Um, we're the only nation who literally has our power and influence in every country um, from a military standpoint. The only one. Um, we are seated from a military standpoint on many waters and also from a representation standpoint. And so, um, then in verses uh, 7, um, but the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. So now there's a beast entering the picture that is carrying the woman. And uh, let's go down to verse um, 9 in chapter 17. It says, this calls for a mind of wisdom. So not only do you have a mystery, which is why no churches talk about this, but you've got to have a mind of wisdom to understand it, the seven heads and the seven are the seven mountains which the woman is seated. Now, this is all this all plays into a jurisdictional standpoint. Let's just play this out. Where you, uh, I've heard from many people, the Vatican has seven mountains on it, and the Vatican is absolutely a district, and there's several districts around the world. They represent different functions for the world order and the world power. We are one of the functions for that which the woman is seated potentially in the Vatican, but we are one. We are the enforcement arm and function of that structural system. And then in verse 12, the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, and together with the beast, these are of one mind, and they will hand over their power and authority to the beast. So they will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of Lords. So verses 15 um, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated. Now, here's very clearly that this is a world order structure that we are a party to. Our peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So it's telling you it's a world 
like the waters that you saw, this is what we're talking about, where the prostitute is seated, are all over the world, okay? It's not like New York or the United States or Europe. It's all over the world. And the ten horns that you saw, uh, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up. Now, I didn't really understand that at, uh, until this year. Um, and this is one of those things that is purely just my opinion and speculation and a guess. But um, with Trump in the office, he sure is pissing off the global order. And I'll leave it at that. He has really removed um, billions and billions of donations to the United Nations. He's, he's uh, making the United States a priority versus them a priority. And, and here's your key to... Um, really who the woman is, verse 18. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over all the kings of the earth. So now the woman's referred to as a great city, um, which is uh, could be considered as the District of Columbia um, uh, from the military-industrial standpoint where the Pentagon has authority, dominion, sovereign authority, dominion over the kings of the earth. We do. We stretch out over all the world with a power that is unlike and never been yielded before. And we walk into countries and we overthrow them. We put our central banks and we're, we're a party to the desolations of the world. And so let's go. Yeah, to Kelby, can uh, I jump in? Kelby, can I add something quickly? Yeah. Um, what we're looking at is an empire, an empire over the world. And mm-hmm. what city, what city is referred to as, uh, or what state is referred to as the Empire State? New York, yeah. New York, yeah. where's the United that's, Nations that's located? Where, yeah, and that's where the United Nations actually has dominion and power over, um, is, is New York, which is considered in, in law as the capital of the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's the whole thing. Is, is, it, it, it's interesting that this was written two years, or 2,000 years ago, um, in about 70 A.D., and uh, by John on the island of Patmos, and he, he goes from talking about it sitting on many waters to the great city, describing the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the king. And so it's, it's interesting when you read that, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's like straight pointing to Babylon uh, in, or New York or, you know, uh, uh, the District of Columbia, which is synonymous with New York. So then you have in Chapter 18... Now listen to this, guys. This is your sealed, sealed deal. This, this seals the deal. Um, verses 3, chapter 18, For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of that woman, of her sexual immorality, meaning the porn. The kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Let me ask you a question. What nation buys all the world's goods? It's the United States, period, hands down. And so here's the, here's the nut of it. Verse, verses 4, chapter 18. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. So stop right there. What does come out of her, my people, mean? I've heard 
my Israelites, I've heard, you know, and this is all about allegiance. If you're saying God is your king, if you're saying you're separated and holy unto him, then then the interesting thing that we have on our nation is we have two jurisdictions. One that says, come out of her back to me, my people, which is Americans. And one is, stay under that whore called the United States Corporation. And if you do, if you do stay, um, you're going to partake in her sins. Listen, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. So, if you remain, you will part. You will be a part of the sins of of her, and you will share in the plagues of her. If you come out of her and you make your allegiance back to God, and you remove yourself as being the surety for that debt system, and you don't let them use by however you want to take possession, and there's a hundred different ways I've heard people talk about, really there's a couple at work, um, then you will not part in her sins and you will not share in her plagues. And that is a promise of God right there in the word. Verses 8, for this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Verses 9, um, who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, all the kings of the earth. And uh, verses 10 at the end, in a single hour her judgment will come. Verses 11, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn, mourn because nobody buys their cargo anymore. I don't really need to go any further um, than that particular verse to deal with the topic that Babylon, um, from a representation standpoint, we um, if you are a United States citizen, your 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 body is is literally pledged as the surety against the debt for the corporation, which the banks are now using the funds that are being raised from taxes, making them disappear in black ops accounts and waging wars that uh, we, um, the, the corporations are selling, um, you know, tanks and Humvees and weapons and uh, to both sides of the war. You know, we didn't bring home our military equipment after Iraq. Um, Trillions of dollars stayed over there, and and you know one of those tanks is is a couple, two, three, four, five million dollars, and um, they cannot be hot wired, um, but they're being used against us right now, and a lot of people don't know that they don't understand really what is transpiring in in these war zones with um, existing Al Qaeda and ISIS. Actually. Uh, um, uh, follow a guy by the name of Victor Marx, and he, I'm, I'm proud to say, you know, we have Christian men like this that are standing up. He knows nothing about what I know about, but he is at least as a Christian man going into foreign sovereign nations known as Iraq, and uh, and he is, I'm just going to say it straight up, he's literally killing ISIS members, going into the middle 
of their pits, grabbing the little girls that they're raping and bringing them out and finding homes for them um, uh, uh, back there with family members or getting them adopted off here if their family is dead. This guy is a freaking hero, um, if you ask me. And uh, this is as a result of us funding those organizations, which he does not know about, through, um, through our great intake of taxes uh, from the body politic of people um, nationwide, we uh, collect more revenue, and every month and every year, uh, the Congressional Budget Office has said we will never, ever catch up. There is no way to catch up with the structure, pretending that this debt is so overwhelming and not wanting to tell the people that the state level um, is is 100% uh, liquid. And so that's really... Um, what I wanted to throw out there for people at the very minimum to consider that it's it's not just an experience to be, be an American and, and not be a U.S. citizen. It's really should be an experience of obedience to God and God's word and, and get his, get your butt out of her and, and do it now. Don't even think. Remove the pledge. This, this word allegiance is so powerful. Um, that's how they get you. You, you come in to be a U.S. citizen by your allegiance. You're pledging allegiance to a gold fringe flag, all corporate, all, all um, ungodly, uh, all with the purpose of, of deceiving, deceiving you as if it's the same as America and it's not. It's a different jurisdiction. That's it, Brian. I'm good if you want to chat. Well, well you know what? Uh, you bring up the word allegiance and that word. When I hear the word allegiance, I also hear the word religion, and people need to realize if you go in and study etymology, and if anybody wants a good link, uh, get in touch with me, I'll send you one, but you need to go in and research the etymology of words, and look at yes. that second part of religion or allegiance, and the etymology of that goes back to like Real. the word ligature. A ligature is something that binds you. And religion, you're rebinding yourself to something. And mm -hmm. allegiance, you're, you're taking a, uh, which I found it interesting. Um, after a few months of going through my Black Saw Dictionary, and so I, I really should probably go back to word one. What's the first word in this dictionary? And the very first thing was the letter A. And it said, a hypothetical person. So, allegiance, you're taking a hypothetical person and you're binding them. So, you're binding yourself, your artificial self, your, your legal person, to something else other than what you intended to do here on Earth and who you intended to be serving here on Earth. Well, you got to remember also, Brian, that there's, there's multiple definitions for that, that word alone and... The, the element of, of what you're saying is absolutely correct. Um, you know, you go to the etymology of words and you look at the where they were actually uh, founded from, um, I would 100% agree with you, except that um, we, we have a, a biblical word and a biblical term. We also have, um, uh, unfortunately, an Internet that, that rips apart and destroys um, you know, truth, 
And uh, for me, I don't look at words. I define words because the contract is what my intent it is. So if if I'm making like on a passport application, for example, and I'm ripping apart the agreement and I'm signing it non-assumpted, all rights reserved, non-domiciled, non-resident, non-person, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I do that all throughout the agreement. Then I attach an affidavit and an explanatory statements to it. And the affidavit is so clear um, that I'm attesting my oath and affirming my oath to, and I take a copy of the declaration, and I, I, I point out a lot of the Supreme Courts, and then I define all the words that are important to me. Um, allegiance is one of the words. And so they they can take that word for whatever the hell they want to take it for. I don't give a crap what they want to call that word as meaning, have a meaning. Um, and I could take that word and make any meaning I want up, put an asterisk next to the word, and point them down to the bottom of the page and make it whatever I want. So I just want to share that thought with you because, um, you know, even religion has a bad connotation behind it, but you can define that word for you and in in however you want is my point. We can create those words to our benefit, contractually speaking, because contractually, this is what we're all talking about today is, is contract law. Once you get your mind around contract law, you're, you're, you're in total control. You're in total power. That's really what words come down to. But it is very interesting to look at where words come from. And it's, and it's and I do worry about words that I speak, um, just like you, I'm sure. But when it comes to a contract, I define the words that are important for me. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I was listening to a call you did or a show you did a day or two ago. And at the same time, I was, I was sitting there taking my notes. And... Uh, you're discussing trying to disprove God, which threw my mind back to the situation with Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton, when he started out, his whole purpose, he wanted to disprove God. And at the end of the day, he came to the conclusion of, okay, there is no way. You can't. There's no way you can claim right. that all of this just happened by accident. So when I was taking those notes, I also wrote in there, I said, okay, we need to use our own definitions. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because whatever we write or do, if you don't define what you're doing, they're going to assume that, okay, well, it's according to how they define it. So we need to stipulate those words ourselves as to how they're used. Because yeah. you, you, you can take a word like resident, okay? And yes, so many sure. people argue over that one single word, resident. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny you say that because that, you, you just hit it on the head. It's a, it's an ugly word. It's a bad word. You don't want to be a resident. Totally agree. But you, you, can, you can make it uh, uh, with an asterisk and contract law, bring it down to the bottom and, and talk about what that word means, and you're good. Um. And, and the reason for that is, why do you want to do that? Is because these guys, you know, the lower level minions um, that are looking at our applications at the DMV, at the Department of State, they really don't, they're not looking for, you know, they're not looking at the words. So the words are really there for us to prove who we are. 
And and everybody says, oh, if you have a driver's license, you're you're not living as a state citizen. You're a U.S. citizen. I totally beg to differ. You are if you didn't adjust the contract. You are if you didn't you didn't contract in the element of the way that you wanted to. But for me, if all you did on an agreement was cross out U.S. citizen, U.S. person in the words I agree, and you reserved your rights, and you put the word by in front of your name, signing as the agent for the person on that document, and you put non-assumpsive, which means he did not undertake, meaning no contract, and all rights reserved, if you just put that, ARR, without prejudice, non-assumpsive, underneath your name, really small, above the signature line, below your signature, with the word buy in front of your signature, guess what you've done? You don't agree to anything on that document. And if it were ever called into a court, you could bring judicial notice regarding that one component and that all of your rights were reserved and that no contract was undertaken by the words non-assumptive, period. That's what people need to start wrapping their minds around in contract and contract control. we got to get away from this element that we have to be, um, you know, being not of the world. You are in the world. And unfortunately, if you don't, if you don't come with a mind of wisdom, like the Bible says, to deal with this mystery known as Babylon and be smarter than her, and, and come with full reservations of rights and fully not accepting any terms. That is a mind of wisdom, and that is saying, I am not a party to your plagues. I don't consent with your sacrifices to Baal. I don't want any funds to go to those sacrifices, and therefore I withdraw any agreement or any operation of law that would be giving funds to that source of, of an ungodly action. And, you know, honestly, that's this is something no pastors are really tackling. And I really want pastors to pick this up. 25 years of going to traditional churches, um, and out of all the traditional churches that I could have gone to, I got a good one. And I, the pastors, he's in the dark. And I probably would look a little kooky to him, but I'm going to guess time for dollars. The closer we get, I'm going to look a lot less kooky. Um, but as we come to these end, end times, these pastors need to be warning their parishioners or the, their people of this issue because they're not. They're thinking rapture. They're thinking none of this is going to happen. They're not going to be a party to it. They're not going to be in in this uh, environment. And here's the bottom line. Let's just say there is a rapture. Let's just say, even though the Bible really doesn't talk about it, I don't want to get into that. Let's just say there isn't a rapture, and you've got to carry through this whole thing. Do you want to partake in the plagues of, of the judgments due to those sins? The answer is no. The answer is clearly no. Nobody does. So make your allegiance to God. Come out of her. Be obedient to God, because this is a spiritual thing that needs a physical follow-up action, because you can't. It's all done in, in, in secrecy and a mystery. 
You can't come out of that structural system, which is nations, peoples, languages, tongues. It's saying that you are a party to a global conspiracy, a global mystery that a bunch of nations are a party to, and you can only be a party to a nation by allegiance. So however you want to word that, Brian, or people in the future that are listening, to come out and, and give your allegiance to God and, and remove yourself in the physical so you can really stand before God and say, I didn't agree with what they were doing. I didn't agree with Roe versus Wade. I didn't agree with them going in every country, kicking their um, tails and, 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 and taking their assets and uh, developing an a, a $850 billion embassy. I didn't agree with any of those things, which, by the way, the new Babylon is, is down the street from the original one, and it's $850 billion, and it happens to be the largest embassy ever done in the history of the world by the United States, the new Babylonian system, 5,000 government workers, and uh, or 1,500 government workers and 5,000 soldiers and inhabit that place. So if that isn't the icing on the cake for what is Babylon, well, the United States Corporation went over there and smoked that entire nation, killed a few million people uh, under the auspices of freedom and democracy, and instituted their system, their way, their structure, their banking, and now has the largest embassy ever, the New Babylon, down the street from the original one, running the world order. It can't get much better like than to, that. I'd like to address that, because I, I've posted a picture of that. And if anybody is curious, uh, go online and look up the U.S. Embassy in Iraq, okay? And it sits on, I think it sits on 100 acres. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. And like Kelby said, it's right down the street, uh, like well under 10 miles from the old Babylonian empire. And it's unbelievable. And when you look at the picture of it, uh, I, I showed the picture on Facebook. And I said, who can tell me what this is? Do you know how right. many people said Vatican? They thought it was the Vatican. Because right. it looks just like it. It really does. And it's unbelievable. But it, as far as coming out of Babylon, you know, also I have a lot of people that contact me and they're like, oh, Brian, what should I do? Do I need to do my DBA first? Do I need to do my authentication for my certificate of life birth first? Or, uh, what order should I do stuff in? I want to make sure I get this all done right. And to me, there is no real right way of doing it necessarily. What it really comes down to, and like Kelly brought up, it's all contract law because it is. Everything is contract law. And what lies underneath contract law is intent, okay? Mm -hmm. So if your intent is to leave Babylon, then you know what? It doesn't matter what order you do stuff in or how you set it up as long as the intent is pure. You know what, Brian? The... Um I appreciate you that you just said that because it's true, um, and it is. And that 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 structure that they built in Iraq is is the icing on the cake where the original Babylon was. And here the Bible is talking about a new Babylon, ran by an order of nations, um, 
languages, tongues, it sits on many waters, calls it a whore several times, sexual immorality, committed sexual immorality with the kings of the earth. Um, all the merchants of the world uh, won't be buying their, we won't be buying their cargo anymore. And here, God's saying, get out. And to, to us, at his advocates, um, I've been down long road, eight or nine years, actually 10 years, but eight or nine years in jurisdictional um, training. It is contract law, like Brian said. And um, I believe we have a structural system to help people with that. Um, if, if they are interested and it's it's we're actually doing our first training the next Saturday um, on who you are because I don't really think people know who the hell they are I think they want to think they know who they are and they want to think that they want to be free um, but they don't have a truth component behind that because uh, they don't want the responsibility that comes with freedom it's too hard it's too much um, freedom and you know I remember seeing an old movie where this guy he had a castle he was one man he had one servant one concubine and uh, he had four or five guys that were at his door wanting to take over his castle so he had to defend his castle and that's what you have to do if you want to be a quote-unquote king under the sovereign and uh, he, 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 let, he let down his drawbridge after getting on his horse and putting on all of his gear, went across the drawbridge, and five men killed him instantly, went in and raped his wife and raped his concubine and, and all that and took his castle. That's, that's what being a king is. That's what freedom is. He accepted that he would have to do that to stand ground. He should have been a little smarter. I'd have, I'd have kept the drawbridge closed, did on the inside, and ate the horse after eight or nine months. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wouldn't have opened the doors for anybody, um, but but the point is, is freedom isn't 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 easy, and there most most of this country, most people on this call, don't have a clue of what freedom is or what it takes to become free or how to live free and stay under God's jurisdiction, and that's just the bottom line. Very few of us know how serious it is and how hard it is. And, um, and I'm just now, after 10 years, getting my mind wrapped around that. Isn't that weird? I'm just now. Those guys that were back in the 17 and 1600s coming over here, they were, they were willing to cross an ocean and, and, and face death um, to have a taste of it. And they're willing to get here with nothing and, and start work and work their A's off. And do whatever it took. And then, unfortunately, the king, you know, he didn't have a cell phone back then, and he he wasn't able to uh, he wasn't able to make make phone calls. So he worked in fifty and ten year increments, you know, where he sent guys over on ships with lots of money and bonds and orders and and uh, secret societies. And that's basically from day one, guys. I'm gonna tell you right now, day one. If you want to go back to the beginning of time of this country. You know, somewhere in the beginning of the 1800s, the corporation known as the United States was formed in 1871 is where uh, the District of Columbia really took over um, as the sovereign within our, our, our walls, of which the corporate United States used to see uh, 307H 
uh, says the United States has exclusive jurisdiction in the District of Columbia. Well, guess what? D.C. cannot do business with a citizen known as a State of the Union citizen. And if you can prove it, you're good. You're good. But if you can't prove it, well, you got to figure out a way to protect yourself. Uh, well, you know why you just talked about its jurisdiction, and its jurisdiction being limited. And I've talked about that many times on these calls. Whereas, uh, even if you look at the state of Ohio, the state of Ohio, when the federal government wanted to raise the speed limits on the freeways, uh, the state of Ohio said, "No, we want to keep it at 60. We don't want to raise it to 70, whatever." And the federal government said, "Fine, you won't raise the speed limit." you've got to take care of your own roads. That was a perfect example right there that the states are not underneath the federal government. It is a uh, choice. Uh, It's something that you choose to do. And the same thing for the states goes for you and I, the people. And, you know, as far as, you know, Babylon infiltrating the U.S., like I was talking about earlier in the call, I would recommend people look up uh, Lorraine Murray. Uh, she was a professor at UC Berkeley on California. And she was actually studying uh, nuclear physics. But then she started getting led in the direction of people and migration and what really happened from the beginning. And uh, she's a blonde haired, blue eyed woman. And she was always kind of curious because she had all of these uh, Middle Eastern type guys or Italian guys hitting on her. She didn't understand what that was about. But once she started researching this, it started to make sense to her. And that was that, and I'm blue hair, blonde eyed as well. And that's probably where I kind of uh, fell into finding her and trying to research where I came from. We all want to know where we come from who we are, where we're from, et cetera. And that was an anomaly that happened in Persia near Babylon. It was something genetically that occurred. And when people were driven out, some people went to Italy, which if anybody knows anything about Italy, the northern part of Italy is a large population of blonde-haired, blue-eyed people. And the rest of them uh, migrated towards uh, Ireland, and the Netherlands. And then you know, there, if you look at what has occurred on America, those people have migrated into the United States of America. If people, uh, nobody here on this call is old enough to remember, but uh, back at the turn of the century, over 100 years ago, they used to have signs in the windows that said, you know, no Irish allowed, there's the Irish revolt, all that kind of thing. And at that time, started a growth, especially around the New York area, of the mob. And the mob were the Italians. So people from Italy that originally were from the Babylonian area moved in here. People from the Norwegian area moved in here. And then you look back at the past election for uh, the presidency for the United States, the corporation, And you look at who was offered up. We had two basically red hair, blonde hair, blue-eyed people vying for the seat. And I I looked at what occurred with Trump. 
and the first things that he did the first few months that he was in office. And I knew being in construction that he had a lot of problems probably due to his wanting to build businesses in the Northeast that you can't do anything there if you don't kiss the butt of the mob. And I'm sure that angered him. So when he got into office, immediately started saying he was firing a lot of Italian names from positions as judges, et cetera, getting rid of them. And who is he moving in? He was moving in a lot of uh, so-called Jewish names, uh, people who call the Kazarians. So it's kind of one boss for another boss, but maybe worse than the old boss. Hmm. Um, I have a, uh, a black movie actor that's one of my best friends in life. <clears throat> um, he, uh, I get to hang with him a couple times a month, once a month, and we play golf and we talk. And he's, he has a mind of wisdom. Um, if, you, if you've ever seen the movie Forrest Gump, he's, he's the actor Bubba, uh, Bubba Blue. Uh, he's on uh, Wednesday nights on... Chicago PD is the bad guy on that show. Um, he's awake. And uh, we were talking the other day about Jesus being black. <clears throat> and I'm a firm believer after seeing um, the, the scientific data behind the DNA um, surrounding the life of Yeshua that uh, um, your Lord and Savior, uh, who died on the cross for you and rose again this day, quote-unquote, or which symbolically this day, uh, he was black, and I mean that literally. Um, there was a show that was on uh, uh, like Discovery or something, and it talked about a tribe in Africa, and they are as black as you can get, and, and from a color standpoint, they claimed um, uh, a line directly to the Levites that escaped from Jerusalem um, uh, when uh, the Babylonian Empire came in and took them. And uh, the the nut of the whole show was they showed they had gold implements still. They brought them out and showed the producers 2,000-year-old gold implements. But then they DNA tested these guys, and they drew not just a, a direct line, but a 100% hit that they were direct descendants from the original Levites um, who worked uh, uh, in the house of David and, and Solomon. So I thought that was an interesting thought. Um, and uh, it, it really starts to wake us up as to why maybe slavery existed um, as a part or why such an oppression against uh, um, a nation such as Africa, uh, so on and so forth. Why, um, why and, and I do believe there is a lot of oppression uh, on black folks here in our land. Uh, being the fact that one in four will see uh, at some point in their life incarceration, uh, abuse, and different things. But um, I, just, I don't know why I'm really talking about that, but it was a conversation that um, I had just yesterday or the day before yesterday that really brought about a, a whole different thought process as to why we're being educated with the white Jesus, why we're being educated with different Bibles that don't even bring up certain words anymore that were in the original words and text of the Word of God. So we, we have to be we have to be smart, um, 
smarter than our pastors. Many of the people on this call are, um, but we, we have to really open up more to what's happened in our history um, to the truth, but not just Internet truth. You know, you have to really digest and, and look at a lot of different things before you, you pull the trigger and believe in something. Anyway, two cents. Well, you know what? It's interesting you brought that up because uh, that topic was brought up in Tactical Sovereignty here several days ago. Uh, talking about what white is and uh, how the blacks are demonated uh, against it. And, yeah, it, it's been wrong, but people don't realize the whole concept behind it. And so I pulled up uh, a couple of things from court rulings where the U.S. courts actually looked at people uh, as statuses, not as their skin color or race, and that white people, when they talked about white people, uh, I think there's a spot in, what is it, 24 USC, I don't recall, but it talks about white people, and they're talking about a status of people, not a skin color, and included in that status, they included Middle Eastern people, people from North Africa, were all included into that status. So it's like they knew that Jesus was black or yeah. dark brown skin, but they wanted to make sure that that white label was still there. Um, I've got a few people I'm sure that are itching to ask a question. I've got somebody, um, Master Mike he has been on the board for a while with their hand up. So if they're still here, I'll unmute them, and maybe we can do some short Q&A. Cool. Hey, uh, Master Mikey, you're unmuted if you're still here. Greetings, you guys. Good evening or good afternoon, wherever you guys are at. And location, I'm actually here in California, so good afternoon, you guys. How are you doing? All right, so I was hearing exactly what you guys were saying. I totally agree on what Brian was saying. Basically, I believe it's all contract. Every day is a contract. Every day with everybody we ever talk to is pretty much a verbal statement. And uh, we make pretty much whatever we want to make or make whatever statements we want to make. But I agree that, that the contracts have everything to do with it. But my only question is, my only question is, wouldn't we want to keep things more simpler and, uh, you know, like the KISS uh, uh, acronym from the Navy, keep it simple, um, and just ask who's the one making the claim? You want to answer that right now, man? Oh, um, yeah, either of us can tackle it. Go ahead, Kelby. Well, that's that's from a you know that's a fundamental thought process of any kind of a response that you would do in a court absolutely um but that's that's kind of different than what we're talking about here we're we're talking about an obedience to the word of god and coming out of that structural system where your bc is benefiting the sources of the bc um is benefiting the world power structure um uh and and the global order that are, is raining down hell on the earth 
and and we're called to come out of that. That's my whole point. Um, and, and in your mind, you're you're still at the at the local level of just trying to be free and and and, and you know dealing with it at the local level. And I'm just talking about more more or less an obedience at, at a biblical level, and and which is synonymous with what we're trying to do to come out. Because when you do finally get out, um, they don't they don't call you. They don't come after you. Um, you're on a list, and the list is a do not detain list, and uh, and they don't want your name in court. They don't want your. They don't want you to even be in the courtroom. Um, it's a little different. It's a little different world. Now, I've seen, you know, some cases where high profile um, people have have come out, and uh, I've seen, you know, 90 plus cases in the last few years where. Um, you know, people dealing with it like you just suggested, and uh, and but more so having more success uh, with the jurisdictional challenge and holding the judge to um, their oath and and holding the court and to the court procedures and the judi- judicial canons um, and not letting the judge come off the bench and help the opposing counsel. And I've seen the jurisdictional challenges stand and. Uh, them not being able to proceed forward, and sometimes they'll they'll tell the guy to shut up and sit down, and they'll proceed forward, have a fake action, and put put a ruling in, and then they'll come in and put something on top of that, saying, "I'm sorry, you never proved jurisdiction," and and bind them again to your your way of thinking. And I've seen it work over and over and over. So um, it's two different elements, you know. It's how do you want to defend yourself when when you're brought before the magistrate or the court and then what I'm really worried about is how do you want to defend yourself when you're brought before the Lord and, and you weren't obedient to coming out of her. That's really what I'm talking about. Well, okay. if I can add to that, if I can add to that as well, I really think that when the correction has been done, that that worry is kind of gone as far as the defense of yourself or whatever. Um, I, I travel home at night from work, um, very late at night. I live in a area of Florida that is pretty much it. Probably be considered kind of a bedroom community. It's a retirement community. So late at night, there's not very many people on the road. So you look like easy pickings. Uh, but I've noticed the past year and a half or so, I was getting pulled over quite a bit. I, and I've had, um, uh, I've I've shown it on Facebook. I've had uh, at least 15 encounters now with the police. And I have not received one ticket. And, in fact, I've pretty much been treated with the utmost respect. Good for you. And, yeah, and, and when they do talk to me at the very end of the setup, they say, no, we want to make sure that you know we're not doing anything. You don't have to go to court. There's no action being brought against you. They're very adamant about that. And I, I've thought, gosh, that's weird, because I've never experienced that kind of stuff before. Um, at the first time or two that I was pulled over and didn't get a ticket, I, I just talked it up to luck or whatever. But after a few times, it's like, no, that, that, it's not luck, because they always bust somebody over something. And so I, I really think, you know, people talk about, oh, should I send my sheriff something or this, that? I say no. You go directly to the head of the line. You go to their boss because their boss will put it in the system and you'll be taken care of. 
So you want to go like to the Secretary of State for where you live at, go to the Department of State for the Fed, and I also suggest going to the uh, head judge, the chief judge for your district. Um, I got a lot of information from my chief judge. Uh, I called the chief judge there and called his office and talked to his clerk for, gosh, probably 45 minutes on the phone. He gave me all sorts of information as to who's in charge of who and this and that and how it all works, you know. And so I followed up that conversation with sending my notice to that chief judge. And I think that's really what it comes down to is that if you don't declare who and what you are, then it's going to be presumed that you're one of their underlings. And yeah, it's, like you're following, it's like you're following Matthew 525, you know, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. That is the exact principle. You are correct. Yeah, I, I totally agree on that one, actually. See, you might as well just talk to the DA or to whoever's the one prosecuting the case and settle the matters with them before it gets to court. And if they don't, then I guess they're bringing a frivolous claim before the court. Well, let me tell you something. When people go to court, uh, for anybody listening to this call or on the call that have had experiences, you can think back and remember your first moments in the court and what happened. That court administrator, i.e. the judge, the first thing they do is they turn to the prosecution and say, have the two of you come to a resolution? And the prosecutor will say no, and then they'll go right into what they want to do. People miss those first words. And I've done that several times. Is that whenever anything's been brought up, I've gone straight to the prosecutor's office, sat down and talked to him, and guess what? Subtle of the problem, it goes away. That follows the same scripture of Matthew. You're correct. Not only that, but you're, it, 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 also that and as well your intentions, what your intentions were. So I totally yeah. agree on that. Yeah, it's all about intent. You agree with that, Kobe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, the, every answer we ever need, guys, is right there in the Word of God. Man's law is completely used, uh, you know, with the perversion behind it, obviously. But if you know uh, how to understand and, and deal with the elements and procedures and the rules of court, um, there's no reason why you ever need to step into court, you know, and it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, one of the things that uh, we'll eventually talk about or, or what have you is um, you'd be surprised at the power of the words family matter, and I'll leave it at that. It's a family. This is a family matter, Your Honor. You'd be surprised at what that would do for you in court. What, what would that do? Now I don't want to talk about it. It's a way it's a show that needs to be... It deals with the trust. It deals with the elements of the trust. It deals with uh, David Clarence kind of stuff, you know. Um, it, it, you're, you're basically invoking jurisdiction. And uh, but you have to really get into it. It comes with the paperwork and appearance specially, and not generally. And, um, it's, it's not something they really want you to bring up. 
Oh, you're exactly correct. Family matter is a big word that you can speak, and that does lead in that direction. Uh, Kelby, uh, do you have a direction that you want to lead people in as far as you said you had um, a program coming up uh, to explain things to people here in the next week or so if you want to uh, give people yeah. information on how to link up with that? Yeah, we have we have um, basically a system, uh, and we we invite everybody in it. And um, it, unfortunately, it's 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 not uh, free, but um, it is a long process from a standpoint of how many um, things that you got to deal with. Uh, let me just explain this really quickly. Um, what you don't understand is by being in a zip code, you're on territory. Um, and when you look at a federal indictment and or a warrant, like for a search of your house, they always start with, um, I saw such and such person at such and such residence address checking their mail. Um, then I went to the United States Postmaster General, and he said such and such person receives personal mail after address. Then you go... Uh, to the third item on the on the warrant, it says I saw such and such. Or I went down to the DMV and such and such person has two motor vehicles registered at that address. So, you know, when when I first started reading how they're gaining jurisdiction, I just I'm like, Lord, is it really this simple? Is it really this simple? So then I looked at my friends um, that have gone to prison. I've looked at some random cases, and I look at how they gain jurisdiction. It's always in the application. Uh, so, like, when you rebut the presumption of jurisdiction, they always bring up the elements of your application. They'll bring in a passport, they'll bring in your, um, bring a copy of a driver's license, or they'll bring a copy of a, of a, <clears throat> a bank statement or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so when you're dealing with jurisdictional challenges, it's all in the application. When they're dealing with warrants, it's all in the, it's all in your, uh, your territory. And so I'm like, is it really this simple, Lord? And, and it is. It's it's that simple. So we take people through a process, and uh, but even when you have all the paperwork correct, and I'm going to tell you guys something. Um, you can have all your paperwork correct, and and guess what? If you don't know who you are, paperwork is 10 percent. Um, 90 percent of of who you are needs to come with a complete and total shift. Of what you think you are and you have to deal with like what Brian is talking about words and word play you got to understand ping-pong you got to understand negotiations you got to understand contract law you got to understand trust law you got to understand everything that they've taken from us that they use against us and that's really what we're digging into over the next uh, 18 months we started a program called the living in the private program um, and if you want, Brian, give a phone number out to a guy who um, we do free consultations with people. We help anybody who needs help. We try to help them. Um, obviously, there's a cost, but there's also a cost to support it. There's also a cost to, you know, do all those things. But every man is worthy of a wage, and, and we for sure earn it. Um, our our ministry has been doing this for about seven years now, and uh, we still have an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, even though we're not a business. Um, and our goal is to help people come out of that structural system, and one day it will hopefully be free. But 
even when it becomes free, guess what? People won't want, want to do it because it will have no value to them. And so it's just a consideration. But we, we want to help people, and, and we don't care what their status is or their situation financially. We'll help you, and we'll, we'll guide you. And uh, um, but I'll give you a phone number if you want, and uh, we can figure it from there. Yeah, absolutely. You can put that phone number out there. And many of the people on this call probably realize that um, I'm a part of uh, the government of the United States of America. And uh, there's a lot of things that are offered there, uh, declaring your nationality, uh, moving your legal entity from one place to another, and put it in the correct jurisdiction. And uh, there's a lot of stuff there that is totally free to do. But then there's some other things that do have an expense with it. And people kind of get ticked off. They're like, well, I thought freedom was supposed to be free. Well, yeah, it is free. But if you need help, if you, if you need somebody to hold your hand to do it, and to do the work for you, while well, every man is worthy of his labor. And so, you know, that their existence isn't just here to help you become free. Um, you've got to make sure and throw him a few bucks so that he can put food on the plate and on the table of his family and a roof over their head. Uh, that's just the way it works. And so, yeah, if you want to provide that number, go ahead, Kelby. Hey, thank you. Um, this guy's name is Stephen. It's uh, toll free eight four four. His Advo H I S A D V O Advocates. His Advocates, uh, and the actual numbers are eight four 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 seven two three eight six extension seven zero two. So, um, you know, just in. Uh, Brian, I think our, if we ever do another call again, I think it should be on um, the Republic of the United States of America and the government that you just stated, and let's talk about that. I would love to talk about that. Well, you know, that would really be probably a prime, prime call to do. And to uh, bring on people from um, the government that I talked about that I'm part of and uh, for you and people in the Republic to come on. Good luck. And actually, yeah, I I would actually like to have a uh, private conversation with you uh, discussing this. uh, Because one of the things, this is what I see happening, okay, on America. What I see happening on America, and let's go back to, oh, what was his name? Che Gowdy or whoever that was supposed to be getting into Hillary Clinton stuff and deciding whether or not, you know, the prosecutor harder and i'm not just talking about james comey but on the side of um, representatives he said that this was going to be against house rules and so they're dropping it as far as the house standpoint went and i thought wait a second he just told everybody a huge piece of information right there because he didn't say it's not under constitutional rules. It would be wrong against the Constitution. He said under house rules. That meant they're operating in a totally different capacity. Okay? And so that really shows that there is a different area of operation existing right now. And everybody's falling for it, and they're thinking that it is the regular republic that was originated by the founding fathers who were not our fathers or our founders. People don't realize that. 
And so what you see there is they all stick together. Those guys stick together. And so many people in this, if you want to call it truth movement or whatever, uh, all argue over, like I said earlier, words like resident and stuff like that. And it breaks them up and they don't stick together. Well, you know what? The opposition is sticking together on everything and they're kicking our butts. They're kicking the American people's butts all over the place. And the reason why is because they stick together and we don't. And I would like to see a lot of our groups and people come together and come to a common ground because that is where we will find our strength. Um, and just on that note, Brian, the uh, I'm just saying the same thing. Um, we have a uh, we have an issue with just like this guy that's chiming up in the background who um, is wasting everybody's time in here. You know, uh, I'm going to tell you right now. There's um, over a million people that work at the NSA. Uh, there's millions of people that are working in counter to any kind of a freedom movement. When you look at the the element that the the people are that are like us that are just trying to be free and come under um, under the law of the nation um, that is on the American side, and then they want to label that um, the 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 most dangerous movement. They call it the the biggest domestic terrorist movement on the land, and they're training law enforcement that anybody that thinks free or thinks that the federal government doesn't have any authority over their life or thinks in these different elements um, that some people do, well, I'm going to tell you right now, I can show you in the law where they don't. I could show you in the laws where they, and, and here's the point, you are, by the very fact that you know this stuff, a threat to them, but you're not a physical threat, you're a knowledge threat. And the problem that we have is that they are paying millions of people counter to counter what we are doing. These calls uh, are being listened to by AI engines that are breaking them apart and, and, and giving recordings based on threat levels to certain domestic terrorist watch groups uh, and, and the higher the level you get the, the more trouble you have with your calls your cars your family your friends but they won't touch you if you're truly free they won't come anywhere near you because uh, they don't have jurisdictional access to you and I've experienced that and so um, I'm just Brian you could have any entity name that you want and uh, if if you if your entity gave them notice to step in and pick up um, the reins and come in to de jure and they negated that obligation, then you have that right to say you are a representing party of that, not necessarily the governing body for the people, but a private society, if you will. And that's really what um, the Republic has done. And um, I, I, I have not slide the, uh, the um, whoever's talking, shut up, shut up, okay? That's somebody shut on your up. end. They're not on my board. Well, they're, I'm not on any board. I'm straight in. So, oh, weird. All right. So, the, uh, 
I'm always I'm always saying shut up because you're you're being rude and it's the same guy whoever it is. I'm not trying to be rude. Um, the point being is in the movie Braveheart, the best scene of that movie was when he said, "Unite the clans, unite the clans," and that guy burned him and made a deal with the king. That wasn't the best thing. But he brought the clans together and he got him to commit and unite. And the bottom line is we really need to unite as a body politic of people into one. And we need to see whatever one that is and come together and merge and and really discern who's done the steps properly. Um, And I would love to have that private dialogue with you and then keep doing it. I'm actually asking even Team Law. I'm doing a call in about a week and a half. Team Laws, uh, they throw people under the bus, and they, they have things that are I don't agree with at all. And I've held a call, and I've invited them on the call to just talk, and they don't, they don't, they don't want to talk. But they're, they're saying things about the Republic and everybody else. And so I'm going to hold a big press conference call, if you will, and ask them to come on the call and dialogue with me about what they're saying about the Republic and, um, and about the, the, the history and, and so on and so forth. So we need to do that, not in a confrontational standpoint, but we need to unite the people. Um, I do want to say this. Uh, you all know who Tim Turner was, and I don't agree with everything the guy did. Um, but I want you to understand how important freedom is and the Republic is. Whatever that Republic is, I want you to understand how important it is. Every single person that surrounded him, from the chief justice to his private security, worked for the federal government. And that came out in trial. So I want you to think about that for a sec. Before him was a guy named Sam Kennedy who got life in prison. The key witness, the key witness that put Sam away for life was his best friend, which just so happened to be after eight years of being best friends, an FBI agent. So I want you to think what they have financially to come against the people and come in between your ability to be free, and they will do anything to set you up and put you on a different path. Freedom is not free, and it is not easy. And so we have to be wise as serpents, soft as doves, come in peace, and just agree with your adversary quickly. Like uh, the young man said on the call tonight, I totally agree with that stuff, but we can do this, guys. We already have it, but we can unite the clans. Yes, correct. It's all about coming in peace and not coming from a standpoint of war. Um, And recognizing every entity has a right to exist, and they're going to do what they're going to do. There's nothing you can do to dissolve them. It's going to continue. The only thing you can do is lower their population numbers and come together and unite. Amen. Uh, this has been a good call tonight, Kelby. And, you know, like I always say, it's about learning where you're really from, where you're really at, and who you really are. Uh, you figure those three things out, and you've learned more than. of the uh, public has really come to understand. 
Brian, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on the call and let me uh, talk. And um, guys and ladies that are listening, God bless you and have a great week. He, he is risen. Absolutely. Well, last week I had a problem uh, ending the call. Let's see if I'm able to do it this week. Uh, <laughs> until next week. And until next week, um, everybody be blessed. And we'll have Kelby back. And if you want to contact him, uh, you can contact him at hisadvocates.org. And he is also a member of Tactical, so you can find him there as well. Good night, everybody.